This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharuddin and you're tuned in to the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. In this episode, we're going to take a look at low-carbon cities, what they are and how we can get there considering how cities and urban activities are major contributors to our high carbon emissions. Joining me to give a primer on low-carbon cities is Chow Lun Wai. He's a town planner and a senior lecturer at the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia. Yeah, thank you, uh, Hanif. Uh, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to share uh, a bit about some basics of low-carbon cities. So I, I think we probably should start off by saying that uh, cities are becoming forever more important, especially in terms of the economic development of countries and so on, prosperity and then uh, even sociocultural intensity actually happen in cities, creativity generated in cities and so on. So cities are becoming more important uh, especially in socio-economic terms. However, uh, due to climate change, we are beginning to see that cities at the same time are also a key problem with respect to tackling climate change and at the same time also a very huge potential with respect to mitigating uh, climate change, meaning that uh, trying to decarbonize and cut down carbon emission of uh, development activities in cities, as well as adapting to climate change impacts. So cities are at the same time a very complex object that present itself as uh, a problem as well as potential solution with respect to uh, helping the human society to tackle climate change. So when we specifically talk about uh, low carbon cities, again, the basic of it is that things that we do in cities will involve us consuming resources and consuming energy. Just take the example of uh, moving in the city, mobility, for example, so transportation and so on. Uh, as soon as we jump into uh, motorized transportation, even electrified transportation, uh, we are sure to consume energy. And if the uh, source of energy is uh, fossil fuel based and not clean or renewable energy, then greenhouse gas emission will be the, one of the results of it. And the same goes with uh, if we look at uh, stationary energies with respect to uh, you know, the consumption of energy in end-use sectors like buildings, commercial, uh, residential, industrial, and so on. Most of the activities we carry out, uh, whether outside of buildings or inside of buildings especially, will involve the consumption of energy. So, for example, for space cooling, for lighting, for cooking, and our various modern-day equipment, like, you know, for sure we all use laptops, we watch TVs, and so on. So once the generation of electricity, for example is still quite fossil fuel based, that would mean that uh, even uh, the use of electric cars, uh, the, anything that actually consume electricity as energy will actually 
end up in uh, some level of uh, greenhouse gas or carbon emission. So with that, we can see that because of the high concentration of activities in cities, then cities become the uh, kind of focal points, if you like, of uh, energy consumption, resource consumption, and at the same time, uh, the ensuing uh, carbon emission. So with that, we would see that uh, since the pre-industrialized era, so urbanization uh, happened and urbanization especially became very uh, rapid in the past uh, 40, 50 years or so. And uh, developing countries are now the main focus of uh, rapid urbanization. So I think we are, we are all aware of the fact that uh, I think it was back in 2006 when for the first time ever, more than 50% of uh, people live in cities uh, at a global scale. So we are now in what we call an urban century. And then uh, for Malaysia itself, our current urbanization rate, I think, stands at uh, just over 75%. So it means that more than 75% of our Malaysian population are living in cities and urban areas. With that, we can actually see that cities are a key emitter. Yeah? Collectively, activities in cities, land uses, transportation, uh, and so on. These are all contributors to carbon emission in urban areas in cities. So uh, that points to the very fact that if we are uh, trying to actually contribute to uh, global climate change mitigation in the way of trying to uh, cut down the uh, carbon emission of our urban activities, then cities actually play a very crucial role. So I may just probably add a final point for now with respect to the most recently released IPCC or Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change uh, Assessment Report, cycle, the, the sixth assessment report or AR6. And that already made, I think, a very uh, kind of well-confirmed point about the importance of cities and urban systems, urban areas, as key uh, aspects where we have uh, great opportunities to mitigate climate change. So in fact, it's, it's stated, I think, that any chance of us trying to uh, you, you know, uh, cut down carbon emission globally, then cities actually play uh, a very, very important role in this. And that's why low carbon cities uh, become very important. And I think all cities uh, cannot avoid this uh, global responsibility, if you like, of helping to decarbonize and to cut down carbon emission of their growth, of their uh, economic development, and so on. So that probably would be kind of uh, the starting point of us talking about cities, how cities are you know, major contributor to carbon emission, and at the same time, presents great opportunities for us to cut down carbon emission. Anything done correctly in the city would have meant that uh, you know cities are very effective means to actually also reduce carbon emission. That's why low carbon cities are very important. All right. So you said that cities are not only part of the problem, but also present potential solutions to help solve these issues, right? How, how do we go about, I guess, thinking about creating low carbon cities, considering that, you know, like you said earlier, we consume so much energy. 
so to answer this, I think we have to go back to um, looking at the sources of carbon emission in cities. So these are related to population growth, to economic development, uh, physical movement in the cities, and and so on. As as mentioned earlier, uh, you you know cities become the the key focal points or, or locations for carbon emission due to human activities. So once we understand, for example, uh, the various so-called uh, greenhouse gas emission driving sectors, if you like, uh, that actually brings about emission, then we are actually able to work on all these sectors in trying to uh, reduce carbon emission from the various activities. Taking the example of, for example, the population or the society itself, although population will continue growing, however, if people begin to have better and higher awareness in terms of uh, the issues brought about by climate change, and you know, people can start actually working on some positive changes in their lifestyle. For example, you know, picking up things like. Uh, the, the reduce, uh, reuse, recycling, the three R, or even nowadays we can talk about five R's or ten R's, uh, and then, for example, try to walk more, try to practice more active mobility whenever possible, uh, i.e., you know, walk more and cycle more, and then followed by using public transport more instead of driving, especially for short journeys then you see we'll be able to see uh, a drop in energy consumption in these sectors and a concomitant drop in carbon emission. So this is just a very quick example of uh, talking about population itself. So population increase will happen, especially for developing countries and rapidly developing cities. We can't stop that. However, uh, we can try to work around in getting people to be aware and to be aware of and also to support, you know, very positive lifestyle changes towards um, living more uh, low carbon, if you like. And, you, you know, even within a building, if possible, uh, whenever possible, we can talk about uh, using, uh, for example, uh, natural ventilation more, of course, uh, at the acceptable comfort level and try to actually use as much of uh, natural lighting more as possible instead of using mechanical cooling that consumes a lot of energy as well as uh, artificial lighting. And that, again, re relates immediately to design of buildings and so on. So, I mean, in a way, uh, there are so many different things that we are actually able to do within the city and importantly within the city that are able to help us reduce uh, carbon emission. So that let's say, uh, would, uh, that, that focuses on uh, population or the society themselves. And in relation to that, let's uh, jump into movement again. So if we are actually able to have some form of policies that promote better use of uh, public transport, and of course, this itself, uh, promotion uh, of uh, energy-efficient public transport itself is a big topic that uh, you know, may, may need a different uh, session for us to discuss in detail. But, uh, you, you know, without getting into the specific details and so on, if just uh, we take it that uh, there is, we, we are able to, through either, uh, you know, kind of uh, policies as well as uh, 
more uh, kind of transit or public transport supportive design and environment. And we are able to encourage more people to use public transport instead of uh, driving their own uh, motorized vehicles. And as mentioned earlier, encourage people to walk more and cycle more where uh, the distances of travel from home, let's say, to a destination is uh, visible, you know, as walking distances. Then again, we'll be able to reduce uh, a lot of carbon emission from the transportation sector. And for uh, in relation to emissions, uh, which are a result of consumption of stationary energy in buildings, for example. Uh, so if we are able to think about, uh, you, you know, uh, encouraging more energy efficiency improvement measures, EEI, energy efficiency improvement, then, uh, for example, you know, switching to more efficient equipment and then um, switching to, let's say, you, you know, where possible, uh, using natural ventilation and lighting, as mentioned earlier, instead of uh, using uh, our artificial lighting, cooling, and so on. Uh, then that will also help to reduce a lot of uh, carbon emission. And in the building sector, for example, uh, we can take uh, so-called passive design uh, measures, which in fact are very important, uh, perhaps more important than even the, the more active uh, reduction measures like uh, by way of energy efficiency improvement. So this needs uh, a rethinking in how we actually try to uh, design our buildings to be responsive to our climate, for example, to allow for lighting to come in or natural lights to come in uh, but you know to at the same time keep out the heat or the solar radiation and there are technologies uh, available for all this in the way of how we uh, design or redesign the so-called skin of the building so if we are able to do very good passive design uh, that will actually reduce for example the cooling demand of buildings and to enable better use of natural lighting, uh, that itself you know, would have produced or delivered a very conducive environment to encourage users to positively you, you know, avoid the use of uh, mechanical cooling and so on. So as you can see, uh, there are so many different variety of, uh, I think, measures as well as uh, things that we are able to do to actually reduce the uh, energy consumption and also carbon emission of uh, urban activities. So uh, within this, perhaps uh, the people themselves play a very important role. And then uh, town planners, because cities are so important, urban designers, other built environment professionals like uh, the architects, landscape architects, uh, engineers, and so on, who jointly work together to shape reshape, build and rebuild cities, we all play a very important role in this. And of course, uh, in relation to policy matters, policy makers, uh, politicians uh, play again a very important role in providing you know, a more conducive, larger ecosystem to support, for example, uh, green growth, to uh, encourage as well as provide in incentives or incentivize the, the corporate sector, private sectors and businesses, you know, the industries to actually adopt 
energy efficiency improvement measures uh, to switch to more uh, low carbon ways of production and so on. So these all play very important roles. And of course, uh, at a higher level, you know, the federal government, the state governments and so on, in fact, right down importantly to the local governments who, who are the you know, administrators and who are responsible for the uh, planning of cities and so on to uh, come up with policies, show their commitment, and then also uh, to go beyond policies into real actions to make sure that uh, good low carbon policies are actually implemented. And apart from energy efficiency improvement, uh, the, the other side of it is actually renewable energy. So renewable energy also plays a very important role. In particular, if we are considering really, you know, like say beyond the year 2030, where we need to further transition into what we call carbon neutral society or carbon neutral countries, uh, then uh, renewable energy, you know, in combination with energy efficiency improvement become very important. And uh, of course, renewable energy, uh, the widespread use of it, uh, because it's tied up to the national grid and so on. So higher level policies uh, that enable the use of renewable energy as a, you know, a major part of our electricity generation, for example, would play a very important role. And when we talk about sustainable energy, for example, uh, it needs to bring on board both renewable energy as well as energy efficiency. So in, in a way, uh, I think I briefly mentioned uh, the key sectors by which you know, we can look into and then that will actually help us to reduce carbon emission in cities. Population, uh, the transportation or mobility sector, the stationary energy-related sectors like buildings and which can be broken down further to the commercial, residential, industrial sector. Of course, uh, the energy production or power generation sector itself. And then uh, importantly as well, you know, the green, uh, what we call the green or uh, carbon sink uh, sector. So planting more trees, for example, uh, trees are and keeping forests, for example, these are good measures to actually uh, maintain carbon sink as well as uh, enabling uh, carbon sequestration you know, by uh, trees and so on. Uh, and at the same time, uh, having a lot of trees in cities are, uh, is good because uh, they are able to help reduce the ambient temperature of the urban area. And that could also help to actually cut down uh, the cooling demand in buildings. So it will bring about uh, an effect of what we may call cooling demand reduction. So even if we need to actually mechanically cool down a building, but because of lower ambient temperatures, then you know the, the cooling demand could, can be reduced and therefore we use less energy in terms of even mechanical cooling. So these are, in a way, you know, the key sectors uh, without going into all the details uh, because the options to actually look, I mean, I mean, the options available to us, you know, could run into the range of hundreds or even thousands. So there's no way of uh, talking about all this. So I think these are the, however, key sectors and possibilities that we probably can talk about within a, a short time. 
That was Chow Lun Wai, Town Planner and Senior Lecturer at the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia, giving us a primer on low-carbon cities. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today via Zancaster is Chow Lun Wai, Town Planner and a Senior Lecturer at the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia. We've been talking about low-carbon cities and earlier on the show, Lun Wai has explained how we can work towards reducing our carbon footprint. In this second part, we're going to look at the conversation at policy level and the many different initiatives that have been introduced to make low-carbon cities a reality. In fact, we have uh, seen a very positive development in, in the country. Uh, it started off, in fact, back in 2009 in uh, COP15, I think, when our country made our very first uh, global commitment to reduce our carbon emission intensity of GDP by 40% by the year 2020 based on our 2005 emission level. So starting from there, uh, the back then, uh, KETA, the Ministry of uh, uh, in charge of energy, green technology and so on, uh, I think uh, started off by uh, dishing out a few uh, very good, I think, policies with respect to uh, green technology and so on. So, in, in fact, you know, 2009 might be taken as a, a year where a significant shift in our national policies uh, to move into you know, you know the green greener sector and in tackling climate change. So uh, it, it is actually it was actually uh, since then. Yeah, then we began seeing as well uh, some initiatives by various sectors. For example, you you know over the years we have seen the increase of uh, federal level policies uh, that have been formulated and adopted. For example, the low carbon cities framework or LCCF. Uh, another recent example would be the National Low Carbon uh, City Master Plan uh, and Roadmap. So policies are there. So uh, at the sub-national level uh, where cities are among the key entities and very important players in, in contributing to uh, climate change mitigation, we began seeing that as far back as uh, 2011, uh, I think we began preparing, for example, the Low Carbon Society Blueprint for Iskandar Malaysia 2025. And it was from there that uh, the uh, five local authorities within the Iskandar Malaysia economic region also had their Low Carbon Society action plans prepared. And following there, we also see up to about 14 different cities and regions within Malaysia itself at least 14 of these uh, going along the pathway of uh, low carbon society or LCS in which actually UTM, University of Technology Malaysia, uh, plays a key role in promoting. So we have actually prepared up to 14 different low carbon society blueprints as well as climate action plans at city at a city level to help cities to actually think about how to cut down their emission level while maintaining the growth uh, that is needed. 
So when you talk about policies, I think it is important to actually highlight that for a developing country like us in particular, we probably shouldn't pitch uh, development and growth against the need to go low carbon. So in fact, we should actually kind of uh, seek opportunities to synergize uh, both these aspects and work along the way of seeing how we are able to help the country to promote and maintain uh, sufficient economic growth in the way of ensuring prosperity and so on for the people. But at the same time, you know, we try to cut down the carbon emission of uh, the growth or the development activities that we are anticipating in cities. So, uh, so far, all, all the plans that have been made, uh, be they low carbon society blueprints or climate action plans, were actually formulated based on this uh, fundamental principle. And we call this decarbonization, actually. How do we decarbonize or separate the uh, growth of economy, uh, development, population growth, and so on, from uh, carbon emission? So if we can imagine a graph, uh, how do we actually you know, plot a graph where economic growth, uh, spatial development, social development, and so on, will continue their upward trends but at the same time, we try to separate the, the graph or, or the curve of uh, carbon emissions so that, you know, while the curve for growth and development goes up, then the curve for carbon emission would actually come down. And in order to fit in between the gaps between the two curves, if you can imagine, uh, that is where what we call uh, low-carbon society or low-carbon city measures would kick in. And it is here, actually, you know, in terms of at least the policies, the blueprints, the action plans, and so on, where the earlier sectors that I mentioned, for example, lifestyle change, uh, community in involvement or engagement in uh, low-carbon society, then the building sectors, the transportation sectors, the industrial sectors, commercial sectors, and so on, uh, would come in. So the policies actually uh, clearly outlines the various uh, steps, programs, measures, as well as projects that can be implemented in order to reduce the uh, carbon emission of the growth activity. And probably it's uh, good to bring up uh, and explain a little bit the idea of what we call uh, carbon emission intensity of GDP. And this actually is uh, quite an important concept with respect to developing countries like us, uh, Malaysia. So uh, carbon emission can be talked about in terms of uh, reduction in volume. So how much carbon, for example, in the unit of kiloton or megaton of CO2, equivalent to be reduced. And at the same time, it can also be stated or expressed as an intensity unit where we talk about, you know, how much kiloton, for example, of CO2 equivalent per unit of GDP, you know, we would like to reduce. And this is very important for us, especially, you know, like for Malaysia, our population is growing and we would like to see that our economy continues growing as well. So how do we then ensure 
that uh, for all this, every unit of economic growth, the energy as well as carbon intensity of the growth is actually reduced. So this is where you see the whole idea of uh, low carbon society or low carbon city, I think, kicks in. And it is uh, very important for us to understand this. And the kind of target that we are using now nationally is actually a reduction in carbon emission intensity in terms of its intensity of GDP. Uh, so, for example, our current most recently revised national target uh, that was presented at a recent COP26 in Glasgow uh, is that we intend to actually, you, you know, kind of cut down our national level uh, GHG emission economy-wide uh, by up to 45% in terms of intensity of GDP by the year 2030 based on the 2005 emissions level. So it is important to distinguish between uh, reduction uh, target in terms of actual volume of reduction uh, as opposed to carbon emission intensity of uh, GDP. So for, for now, I think we are seeing very positive change to come back to the question, yes, in, in terms of uh, policy making. So the next step is, in fact, you know, how we actually... Uh, put these policies into real actions. And I think for now, uh, probably we can see that uh, there are a few cities that are at the forefront of this. Uh, we can easily name. And I have to, to say that I, I may not be able to name all those uh, cities concerned, but you know, a few uh, prominent cities, are, you know, including like our national capital, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Putrajaya itself, Iskandar, Malaysia, uh, even uh, Hang Tuah Jaya in Malacca, also uh, Penang, uh, Penang Island, as well as uh, the uh, Seberang Prai, uh, Shah Alam, for example, Petaling Jaya. Uh, these are all, I think, uh, cities, uh, city councils, municipalities that are actually doing well in terms of, uh, you know, working towards uh, a greener and a low-carbon future. So uh, maybe one last point to add for now would be to say that uh, our recent RMK12, our 12th Malaysia plan, also mentioned the importance of uh, the country transition, you know, transitioning towards becoming a carbon neutral nation by 2050. So this is a kind of a longer term. Yeah? We, we need to have long, long term, uh, for example, low carbon emission development strategies to be put in place. And I think for now, we can see, uh, for example, uh, Kuala Lumpur as a national capital is leading the way and they are actually kind of responding to this very positively uh, with uh, the mayor uh, already making commitments uh, towards making sure that Kuala Lumpur becomes a carbon neutral city by 2050. So many projects and many positive things are actually happening in Malaysia. And of course, we need to put in more efforts uh, to get many cities yeah, to come on board as well. All right. Yeah. So I think um, there's a very thorough and well-explained primer on, on the subject. Um, but yeah, just, just to conclude the conversation, uh, how can we do our part? You know, how can the people do their part? Mm. <laughs> yes, that is actually a, a very good point that you are making there. At the end of the day, any 
policy, I think, uh, be it national level, state level, and importantly, at the city level, I think at the end of it, it, it trickles down to the people. So the community must actually support, must actually see the importance of policies and help to actually implement them. You know, in, in particular, because uh, if you were to kind of uh, analyze the whole pattern of uh, energy consumption and therefore carbon emission in cities, actually it goes back down to the smallest un- unit, if you like, yeah, of the individuals living in the city. It is all about the choices that we make in our daily life, whether we choose to walk, although it is possible to walk, but we choose to drive, for example, right? And uh, uh, for example, uh, we can still reuse or recycle certain things, but we choose to buy new ones and and all this. All this matter. So it is important actually for every single individual to be... uh, aware of their responsibility in terms of contributing to uh, more uh, a low carbon society a low carbon future or in fact you know beyond 2030 a carbon neutral society if you like and we have no choice in all this i would say the uh, uh, ipcc that i mentioned earlier in their sixth assessment report cycle i think in the various special reports and studies that lead lead up to the publication of uh, the final report actually have pointed out that actually the human uh, society, human civilization globally, we all have to play a role and there is no option to it if we are to actually keep our global temperature increase to below 1.5 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial age. This is very important because various uh, modeling scenarios have shown that if we fail to keep temperature increased to 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2 degrees Celsius, you know, that's the kind of uh, probably maximum threshold that we can take, then there will be uh, very severe impacts, uh, climate-change-related impacts on uh, cities and on human settlements and, of course, on people themselves. So, you, you know, none of us, I would say, will be spared from any, you know, climate change catastrophe and so on. I mean, you know, if it floods, if, uh, you know, uh, very, uh, like, more increase in extreme weather events and so on, uh, very uh, heavy precipitation or, or storm or rainfall uh, may lead to flooding, may, may lead to, uh, for example, landslides and so on. And at the end of the day, it is actually the people themselves who will suffer. So it pays a lot for us to actually be aware of this and then to be concerned about this and play our roles as uh, citizens of Malaysia to take good care of our country for the future generation and also to be, you know, being part of the global citizens. And it concerns all of us. I mean, you know, if I can put up a silly joke of saying that no one would like to die young <laughs> if we are all to, we, are, we hope to have a longer life uh, span and so on. We will live to see the, the impacts of climate change, you know. And even if we do not consider ourselves, you know, our own interests, we do have loved ones, our future generations, our children, our grandchildren, or perhaps our future children and future grandchildren who will be li- living uh, in our cities and so on. I mean, don't we care for them? Don't we love them? 
can we actually afford to see that they are living in a climate changed world that is so bad, the impacts are so severe and so on, because we fail to take action presently. So I think this kind of awareness need to actually reach every single individual uh, in the city, in the country, and in fact, globally, so that uh, all of us actually have a role to play. So, and uh, even then, you see, although, for example, in terms of uh, physical development, uh, urban planning, urban design, these are probably done at a professional as well as uh, institutional level. But uh, individuals, the society, the community actually can play a very important role by showing that they care, by, you, you know, checking the planning and the design, the policies that are being made, get themselves involved and engaged, you know, through, for example, focus group discussions, through stakeholder engagement workshops. So we need to be more positive and to be encouraged and motivated into doing all this. So at the end of the day, if everyone really does his or her individual part, and I think we are all able to contribute individually as well as jointly as a community or as a society towards effectively cutting uh, carbon emission in the city. So everyone plays a role. I think it comes down from the highest level of government uh, right down to the local government because cities play a very crucial role in climate change mitigation and adaptation. Uh, the businesses, the corporate sector, the industries, uh, and of course, you know, again, back to the community, every single individual. So the education aspects, the uh, uh, campaigns, you know, from the government, from the local governments will also play a very crucial role in this. And of course, uh, not to forget uh, NGOs, NPOs. I think they, they, these uh, groups also play a very important role. And we do see that uh, these groups actually are also contributing very positively to recent, to recent you know, increased level of awareness among people, as well as being pressure groups to uh, the government, you, you know, so that uh, the government would actually try to formulate more and not only formulate but adopt and eventually implement you know low carbon policies green policies and so on that will really hopefully uh, result in material uh, changes and positive changes in our cities with respect to how we move how we live our life how we consume energy and therefore uh, emit less carbon You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Chao Lunwai. He's a town planner and a senior lecturer at the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia giving us a 101 on low carbon cities. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes.
BFM 89.9, The Business Station.